sometimes we can we can reduce the Holy Spirit to um, sort of a, a spiritual Santa Claus. Like he's the person that gives out the gifts, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's his role, or that's his main role is to gift us. Um, but I would say, and I'd I'd love to hear your take on this, that the the main role of the Spirit in our lives is to give us a direct ongoing connection with God himself. Welcome into the harvest. This podcast is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in the 21st century. My name is Andrew Stroud, and today I'm joined by a special guest, a good friend of mine here Mm -hmm. in San Diego, Shelton Markham. He is the lead pastor of Paseo del Rey Church here in Chula Vista, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Little little topic. That's right. (laughs) Just keep it easy. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited to hang out, Um, and Seriously, I'm excited to talk scripture and, and the Holy Spirit and learn together here. I think it's a fun time. Yeah, well, we wanted to do this particular, we wanted to have this conversation because you're teaching on it right now yeah. at the church. Yeah. And you've been dropping some some great insights from scripture, and we're going to talk through those today. Uh, but also because I think we're both in agreement that this is a topic. The Holy Spirit is someone that most believers, and I think definitely, um, well, yeah, I would just say most believers, it doesn't matter if you're Protestant or Catholic, uh, probably either have misunderstanding about or they just don't have an understanding. There's a little bit of a gap there in terms of understanding the person of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we start there? There are some there are some groups that say they believe the Bible, but they have a view of the Holy Spirit that would say that it's not, it's an it. The Holy yeah, Spirit is an yeah, it, yeah, not a yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, that, that the Spirit of God is not a person, but it's just uh, the power of God at work in the world or, or at work in our lives. So let's start there. When we think about, we don't have to dive too deep into the Trinity, because that could be a show of itself. But why do we why do we understand, and why do, why does Orthodox Christianity understand the Holy Spirit to be a He, a person? Yeah, I mean we don't go too deep into the Trinity, but I, the Trinity plays a role, sure, it's a huge role, in this, right? <laughs> so, uh, and ultimately the answer to that question is because that's the way Scripture presents it. Right, that's the way that Jesus presents it. So, from the beginning. Um, we know that in the beginning God created the earth, right? This is how the Bible starts. And it says that his spirit hovered above the waters, right? So the spirit is present with God as he's creating, and it's his spirit, right? right. That's there. So we see that John 1 tells us Jesus, all things were created through Jesus. Colossians, all things were created for him and by him. Hmm. So you have the Trinity God there at creation and and we're supposed to understand that from scripture from the start that the three mm-hmm. in one this is god and that's that's all throughout probably the big text though in regards to specifically the holy spirit as we understand it uh that i would run to i do think by the way it's important to talk about like creation it's like yeah. the holy spirit's like this like new character on the scene all of a sudden right. in the New testament right like no he's there from the beginning right right and so what is it however you know in the functioning of of the redemption story of scripture right 
mm-hmm. Jesus comes to play his role. Right. He was there at creation, all things made by him for him. He'll be there at the end. He has other roles to play, but gigantic role is the salvation role, the cross, right, to be the sacrifice. Yeah. And then Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in a huge way. Um, John 14, John 16, big conversations, right, on, on his last night with, with his disciples. And he's pointing them to the Holy Spirit. He's telling them he's got to go away, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he says, it's good for you that I go away because my father will send, right, uh, a helper. He'll right. send the helper another helper right he'll send uh and he calls him an advocate he there's lots of different words that he's using to this character the holy spirit right right which is which is gigantic he's going to play a role um and it's how jesus speaks is not just this weird force out there that might make things happen Mm -hmm. but the spirit will come and he's gonna it's god with you and so maybe some ways to understand that like if we refer to god as he yeah right so Jesus, just getting to, the, again, the Trinity there and what he's talking about in John 14, he says, hey, man, uh, God's going to send this. It's good for you that he comes. But when he's talking in that same conversation, he says, um, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And, the, and my father and I will then come and make our home with you. Right. So he's talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but he also refers to that as the father and the son being there with you right right because it's god with you so right. who is the holy spirit the holy spirit is god it's yeah. not some offshoot mm-hmm. some sub character of the plot here like it's god god right right and so it's not modalism of god in different roles this is god god so so you have god's spirit the spirit of the holy one inside of you if you are a believer, right? This right. is this is how we're we're taught to understand this character of the Holy Spirit of who is this, right? So Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording this version of this conversation. <laughs> Gotta love technical difficulties. Yeah. But you know, the spirit, you know, Jesus went in John fourteen in that passage that you're describing, he is obviously leaving the the physical man that they had been following for two, three years was departing he was he was no longer going to be with them and that's why he says i won't leave you as orphans right then he says i will come to you and then he starts talking about the spirit he says i'll send you another helper and in the greek that that phrase that term another is of the same kind so jesus they were very familiar with the role that Jesus had played in their lives, teaching them, guiding them, rebuking them, helping them understand the Father. And he was going to send another helper, the Spirit, who was going to play that same role in their lives. And and that's what we have today. Like you said, um, Jesus said, is to your advantage that I yeah, go away. Yeah, it's not even the same role, but an expanded role. An expanded role, right. right. And I think at least part of that is... Jesus, as as a man, was limited. He was limited by his own choice, by his own free will. It, exactly. Right? He, Philippians two talks about how he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, to be held on to. But he emptied himself and he took on the form of a man. Right. And um, and that's such an amazing. Like we could spend the whole conversation talking about that. But Jesus um, chose to limit himself, even though he was fully God. 
as he walked around on the earth. Um, it was, <laughs> this is probably like, this is where, if we get in trouble, brother, like this is on me. <laughs> but he was, in a sense, he was like uh, God with a governor. You know, on, on, a, on an automobile, you can put a governor on a, an engine so that it only goes to a certain speed. Now, the engine is, the engine is what it is. It could go faster, but you're, you're purposely limiting how much that engine's going to do. Now, this, let me just finish this thought, and then you can tell me why yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. heresy. <laughs> I mean, so Jesus, he's fully God, but he's taken on the form of man, and so he's chosen to limit himself. So, whereas God, by nature, is omnipresent, Jesus was limited. He was in one place at one time during his right, earthly right, days. Right, 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 right. And, um, you know, you could say that... Um, Jesus was limited in power. There are some verses that seem to indicate that, that he could not do many miracles when he went to Galilee, I'm sorry, when he went to Nazareth because of their lack of faith. Um, other passages say that the Spirit of God was with him uh, to perform miracles, right? And then some people, so maybe Jesus is all-powerful, but he's operating in dependence on the Father, yeah, I think that's where I would push the metaphor a little bit. Yeah, to, yeah. To well, let me do all metaphor. You got one more? Let's let me go. do one more. Okay. Because go. the other one is, is all knowing. Right. You know, was Jesus all knowing? And again, I would I would say I would lean towards the fact that he was not all knowing in the days of his flesh, but um, he was in constant communion with the Father, and so the Father through the Spirit would reveal things to Jesus. So. Whether that's true or not, <laughs> you just <laughs> took us to do some weeds. I know, man. I know, I know. I'm I sorry. love it. I love well, it. so, but the point is, like, the, the larger point here is that Jesus leaving, the Spirit coming. Now we're here in San Diego, but there are believers on the other side of the world who have the presence of God with them, and and the Spirit of God is leading them and can guide them in the same way that He's guiding us on this side of the earth. Whereas if Jesus was still here as a physical person, everyone has to congregate around Jesus to right, follow him. Right, so, right. so Jesus says it's to our advantage that the Spirit come, and that's one of the ways for sure. So go ahead and respond to that. I don't want to, I've probably already taken this too far. Well, I, really I love it. This is what we're doing. We're having a conversation. I love it. And, yeah. And theology. And, and um, yeah, any limits that Jesus has mm-hmm. are self-imposed. The only limits that God has are the ones that he, by his own will, puts on himself. Correct. Nothing can, can limit God. He yes. is all limiting. All, he is all limitless. Um, and you read like Colossians 1, the Christ hymn there right, of, right. of the, the significance of Jesus. So yeah. of, of who he is, that all things are made by him for him. Certainly doesn't sound limited there, right? So the idea of there being some outward governor there is not there. It's his own will. He's choosing, yes. he which goes himself. to that Philippians 2 passage, right? right? Uh, right. He chose yes. to do this, to play for this time and place for those 33 years that he's on right. earth. I, I'm going to empty myself and take on humanity. And yet there are things there where he obviously has an expanded knowledge than what we have, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he has, he, he knew what was in their hearts. He knew what they were thinking and right. He had that. But at the same time, there are in indications as you talked about of limitations of knowledge when he says, Hey, the, the end times, I don't even know right, right. 
the day and hour, right? Only the father does. And yeah. so, what is that? Well, that is self-limiting yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that person at that place and time, right? Right. right? Of, of Jesus. Now we can get into the weeds of all that. Yeah. Your point of that is that as a human, part of that self-limiting of what Jesus did was mm-hmm. that he was limited to a time and place and location, right? Correct. In, in a body right. that's X amount of years old, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because he was fully human and yet fully God. The mysteries of that we're not going to fully unpack here. Right. What <laughs> is significant to this conversation, all of what we just said was, but in regards yeah. to the Holy Spirit. Right. Is that Jesus says, I think, when he says it's good for you that I go... Right. Is it those limits are now off. The mm-hmm. limits of time and place, location, one human mm-hmm. off. Right. Right. The presence of God, because Jesus has fully and forever taken care of what separates us from God mm-hmm. as the sacrifice. Those that are redeemed and have Jesus covering us and have been baptized into his name for the forgiveness of our sins. The promise there, right? Acts 2 is that now you get the presence of God with you. There's nothing right separating us. And Jesus says, that's better than if I were still here with you. Like this yeah. is to be an elevated experience within right. the world. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It does. It does. And like the the verse that comes to mind, well, it makes sense. Yes, I, I understand where you're going with it. Um, we're going to hopefully discover more and help each other understand and, and hopefully folks listening to oh, the conversation. Sure. Like it's a beautiful mystery, right? Like it's awesome. Maybe, maybe we'll have you come back and we will talk about like the humanity of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. That would be a <laughs> this fun This is a ploy to, I, you know, I mean, I'd love to come back. Yeah, yeah. Of Every course. Friday, let's go. Of course, man. Well, but the verse that came to mind when you were talking about that, um, at the end there, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says, uh, the one who joins himself to the Lord has become one spirit with him. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's an, a, a truly mind-blowing yeah. thought. And sometimes we can, we can reduce the Holy Spirit to um, sort of a, a spiritual Santa Claus. Like he's the person that gives out the gifts. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's his role. Or that's his main role is to gift us. Um, but I would say... And I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this, that the, the main role of the Spirit in our lives is to give us a direct, ongoing connection with God himself. Yes. That that is the most amazing thing <laughs> that let the Holy me, Spirit does. Let me does. back that up. Yeah. Yes. By the Holy Spirit's main role is to glorify Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. To 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 just point us to the teachings of Jesus, to convict us and to convince us around the glory of Jesus. Right? Yeah. Our sin keeps us from seeing the glory of Jesus. We, mm-hmm. like fools, mm-hmm. run after inglorious things as yeah. though they're important. Right. Right. As though they will fill. I'm working on this week's sermon and talking about what Jesus said: the bread of life. Uh, John chapter six, and he he uh, says, "Stop running after bread that does not satisfy." It's an echo mm-hmm. of the Old Testament prophets that said the exact same thing, and it's this is the problem of humanity that we run mm-hmm. after stuff that does not produce life, right? Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to give us life, give it to its fullest. How does that work? 
He came to give us himself. He is the bread of life. He, he came to give us God. So the Holy Spirit gives us life because he gives us the fullness of God, right? And right. so we get to experience that. Now, um, and we can, I mean, I'm probably taking this places you didn't want to go, but, but here's what I love. And, and I, in one of our earlier recordings before it all blew up here, uh, <laughs> I, I want to be confessional and say that, you know, I grew up in a church. Right. And uh, was, was blessed in that. Wouldn't have changed that. I, was, I went and got an undergrad in religion, went to seminary and whatnot. And yet I would tell you I'm woefully, was woefully uneducated about the Holy Spirit. Mm. Woefully. Right. Which is a gigantic problem because when you read the New Testament, you read Jesus' own words about the role the Holy Spirit plays. Read what Paul talks about the Holy, the Holy Spirit is is everything. This is the in, in Ephesians one. He says this is our guarantee, the mark guaranteeing, right. the deposit guaranteeing our salvation. Like this is how we know we are mm-hmm. saved. We ought to be able to articulate and know the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that one verse bothered me so much years ago. I was on a journey of going, how do you, how do you know? Because we tend to think about the Holy Spirit in terms of, you were saying giftings, mm-hmm. these like supernatural things. Like, right. is that the evidence of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be there? And there are um, streams of Christianity that would say, yes, the evidence that guys, you're supposed to be speaking in tongues and, and all those things. Right. right. And I would say biblically that that does not hold up. Mm. And that can happen. I, I'm not a sensationist to say that that you know those giftings um, don't happen. In fact, Paul says First Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14 to eagerly desire those giftings. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? right. But he also says in that that some have those gifts, some don't. Some don't. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. in everything. But ultimately, and this is where I'm getting at, what when you dig into the, so I, I say all that to say I am personally on a journey of digging in, and I don't pretend to be an expert in the Holy Spirit whatsoever. But mm-hmm. I'm so I'm convinced that the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christian ought to be something that we delight in every day of our life. Right? Mm-hmm. It's by this. It's what illuminates Scripture for us. It's what Throughout our day, Paul mm-hmm. says, if you keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians right, 5, right. you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. So how do I live a pure life? How do I, how do I glorify God? I don't have to try really hard to, to be better. Mm. I just keep in step with the Spirit. It's really quite simple. And then the byproduct of that is the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So to me, and so Paul says, therefore, since we live by the Spirit, Keep in step with it. Keep going with it every day. Like this is so, and then it makes me question: like, Do do we live by the Spirit? Would you say that, mm-hmm. or do we live by effort mm-hmm. on our own? Yeah, and you know, um, and I think that core conviction for me has been a big, big um, part of my own personal journey and what and what I am finding right in lots of other Christians is our similar thoughts of there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this Holy Spirit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. When, well, so this is where it gets interesting, I think. Okay. Because as you've been teaching the last few weeks, at several points, I've been, I've wanted to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But that's not the format of uh, like a Sunday service. You right, know? right. That, that's one of the reasons why I reached out and just asked, I hey, can it. we have I this conversation? It. Let's do it. Uh, because I do think when, we, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, let's say you've got this spectrum. On the one hand, you would have people who, who make very little of the Spirit. I mean, the right. Spirit is not only in the background, 
uh, in terms of their understanding and their, their consciousness, but in terms of their, their opinion of his importance. Right. Um, and then I do know that there are streams within the Christian faith that make the Holy Spirit is everything, basically. Or he's, he's front and center. He's, yeah. he's yeah. and speaking in tongues or prophesying or doing or works healing, of power. Yeah, all those things, yeah. Yes. So in my own view, we're erring in both directions if we go to those extremes. I agree with that. So at the same time, the Holy Spirit is, it, it's a bit mysterious. I mean, this, the idea of a spirit itself is, is a bit mysterious. Um, we live in a world, we live in a material world, and those are the things that make sense to us, the, the things that we can. So let me. We let live since post-1800 enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. We live in a, an extremely material world. Yes, right. The Holy Spirit was less weird I think, uh, in terms of, right. of yeah. human, like, I guess it was less of an obstacle right. to right. belief yes, until enlightenment. And now, you right. know, we, we tend to struggle with Yeah, that. we're all influenced by the, the times that we live in yeah. and the yeah. culture that we live in, yeah. which is a very materialistic, uh, naturalistic culture. But one way for me to try to pare down... So just to begin to get an understanding of the Holy Spirit and his role in my life. So first, like you said, the Holy Spirit, and like Scripture says, he's the down payment. Um, so his presence in my life is the, the indication that I am truly connected to God. I belong to him. I'm one of his people. It's Ephesians 1. We're not, that is what he tells, says about the church in Ephesus, right? Like yes. And so are. the Holy Spirit is essential. Like if I don't uh, have the Holy Spirit... You don't have that earnest deposit. That's a problem. That, That's, he says that as Romans 8. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not a child of God. Yeah. So, so functionally, though, my understanding of the Holy Spirit is that, again, he is serving the same role, not a similar role, the same role that, that Jesus served in the lives of his disciples in terms of guiding them, teaching them, rebuking them, again, pointing them back to Jesus because that's what Jesus was doing um, in the lives of his disciples. And so if I'm walking in step with the Spirit, if I think about what would it look like if Jesus were constantly with me right. and I was going through my day, right. I, would, I would behave in a certain way. I would, I would be having certain conversations. Um, I would probably be engaged in certain activities. Right. So does absolutely. that make sense? In yeah, terms oh, absolutely. Of like, uh, 100%, right? Like, so yeah. like Jesus gets in the car with you and a guy cuts you off. Yeah. Right. Yes. The language you use <laughs> right. in that moment, or even the level of your own anger, like you can picture yourself getting angry, and Jesus is asking you questions like, "Why? Yeah. Why, why are you that angry?" If you, if um, you're, you get on, uh, you know, you start watching a TV show that's highly um, sexual, right. and and Jesus is sitting right there, I'm guessing you probably change a channel. Change like the I channel. don't, right? Right. So that mm -hmm. this idea, or what list, or or if you are tempted to to steal some, I go. Let's go through whatever the sin is. It doesn't matter if you physically saw Jesus right there with you. Right. Both his presence would would be a, a stop for you, but then what he would be saying to you and teaching you, and then on the flip side. When there were opportunities to give more and there are opportunities to go care for somebody that are hurting, if Jesus was with you, guiding you, he, you'd constantly be helping people right. and yes. doing the life like Jesus did, which is the story of the disciples right. 
for three years. He took a bunch of fishermen right. and tax collectors. And when they walked with Jesus, they behaved differently mm-hmm. and lived differently yes. and did differently than they were doing all the previous years of their life, even as worshipers of Yahweh as Jews. Like when mm-hmm. Jesus is there, they got the real deal, right? Yeah. So your point is dead on yeah. that to say that whatever that was, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit is right. you and I do have that. We do have the presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but do we, you know, then the follow-up question is, do we recognize that? Every yeah. Day, right? So that's why I, how could I phrase this? So I think going back to something you said earlier, you said that uh, something along the lines of we, we get this sense that there should be more. Yeah. And part of me says, yes, I understand that. But part of me says, but we're not in it for the, um, the feeling of the more. feelings sure. or just the, the um, amazing events that the Holy Spirit does. Sure. I 100% agree with that. I was just, as part of my research on this, right. Um, I'm quite familiar with the streams of Christianity that don't talk about the Holy Spirit because I grew up in that. Yeah. I'm not as experienced with the far charismatic side of things, right? Okay. Pentecostal. Yeah. Um, and some of the most popular churches in America yeah. right now are right. Um, Bethel Church, extremely charismatic and speak openly of the healings and prophesying. So they have a school of supernatural ministry. So that mm-hmm. is what they call their, their, Oh wow. Right. Yeah. So they, they train you in how to, and so part of my research lately, I've just been di- diving into that and like what, cause this is so interesting to me. Yeah. Right. So I listened to a worship leader and he said he, he, his, his daughter comes and he, she prays over the event and they're praying for this. Right. And he says, we're going to sing some songs. And then he says, and we're going to go, then we're going to go hunt some miracles. Yeah. And I'm like, I, that, right. That's not so, it either. Right? Yeah. Like, like, like that's, and that's miracles. Yeah. That's why when I think back again, if I, if I root my understanding of the spirit in the gospels. So when, when the disciples were with Jesus, now they saw some miracles and some amazing things right. happened, but yeah, the idea of hunting for a miracle just doesn't seem like. That would fit it all in the Gospels. Yeah. I got to be careful because I could preach like my whole sermon that I just wrote. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to do that in this moment. But yeah, but, yes. Did Jesus do miracles? One hundred percent. But but why did Jesus come? Yeah. Why? I mean, seriously. So in this conference, why did Jesus come? Did he come to do miracles? No. What did he come to do? Um. Well, I would say he came ultimately to reconcile us to God. One hundred percent. And so the cross is part of that. His teachings are part of that. His very life, the fact that he is the, um, the exact representation, the image right. of God, the exact representation of his nature. Right. Like, yes. So let's zoom in on a miracle real quick, yeah. right? Uh, we, we all agree. I mean, New Testament's filled with them. The, they don't call it miracles as much as they call it signs. Right. right? It's meant to point to something. And that's important language. It Jesus, is. in John 6, he's like, you're yes. not here because of the signs that I've done, right. but because I gave you bread, right? So right. he's like, you, you didn't, it didn't make you believe in me. Right. But let's, let's dive in, not even to that miracle. What I, what, one of the ones that has been on my mind all week as I've kind of been doing this research, this hunting miracles idea of the more, mm-hmm. and that's not what I mean by more, but is when Jesus, when they lower the, the friend on the mm-hmm. mat yep. in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, mm-hmm. um, I, f- I forgive you of your sins. Yeah. Which is what he came to do. 
Like yeah. that's reconciliation, right? So, so now you can know God and walk with God because your sins are forgiven. So he did what he came to do. But the Pharisees were like, who is this guy? The Sadducees, the crowd, who is this guy to forgive sins? Yeah. And he <laughs> says, you know, judge for yourself, which is easier to do that or make him walk again. But, just, but so that you know that I actually have the power to forgive sins, get up your, and take your mat and walk away. Right. You're healed. Yes. Right? Like yeah. the, the faith of your friends has healed you. And the whole conversation there. But that phrase, so that you know. Correct. And if you want to know, like, I truly believe God yes. still was in the miracle business. Right. Right? And I think uh, we hear a lot of that off the mission field and the forefronts mm-hmm. of, of, of people coming to believe. We, there are amazing testimonies coming off of there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Um, and I th- you want to go as to the why, but so that you know that Jesus has the, the power mm-hmm. to forgive sins. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I don't want to cut you off. No, no, no. Keep going. So I'm just, I'm just pointing. Like, like, so the idea of hunting more, like, like right. the miracles are what we want. Right. You are missing the point of what Jesus came to do. Well, so some of our listeners might be familiar with this, but again, there, there is a, um, a strain of teaching within the, the broader Christian faith that would say that you need to be baptized in water and baptized in the spirit, right, a second right. baptism. Right. And the evidence of that second baptism is that you speak in tongues. Right. But pairing, dovetailing with what you were just saying, when you look at tongues, certainly in the book of Acts, um, again, the language is very clear that it was a sign. I mean, it was an attention grabber, <laughs> you know, when, when, when Pentecost happened, you had a city full of people who spoke multiple languages um, from all over the Mediterranean world, gathered in Jerusalem. And what I find interesting is in Acts 2, the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes on the, the gathered believers in the upper room um, and they begin to speak in tongues, which is the same word for language. So they began to speak in other languages that they did not know beforehand <coughs> okay so um and then not only were they speaking in or or they were speaking in a, a singular language and the miracle was that the people heard yeah, it the people heard it that's the only evidence we have is that right. they were all astonished because they heard their own language right they so. heard their they heard their own language and um they they heard it there was a coherent message. Yeah. They were speaking yeah. about the wonders of yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so not only was it a real language that existed in the world, um, but it was a clear message that what was being spoken. Okay, and that was a sign to those people. And that's what they said. What is this? Yeah. And it, it drew their attention and it indicated that what they were going to say about Jesus was worth listening to. Correct. And it's the same idea of what you're saying. When right. Jesus did these signs, it was to indicate that he really was someone that they needed to pay attention to, someone who had been sent from the Father. Let's back up and hit that strain of teaching real quick. Okay. Um, because I, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, speaking in tongues, I've never spoken in tongues. Have you, have you spoken in tongues? I have not. This week, Max Licato came out. Uh, this past week. It says mm-hmm. when he prays, he, he now prays in tongues. Max Cato's Church of Christ from Texas. I know I that not my strain of people, but I uh-huh. know Church of Christ in Texas. Right. They don't even have 
Max Kiddo's church may be different now, but that's what he grew up in. They don't even have instruments in the in the worship center, <laughs> right? So, so. Um, oh man, is he, is he going to get? No, I, no, I, I think it's awesome. I, I yeah. think that's 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 awesome. Yeah. Uh, Paul tells us, First Corinthians twelve and fourteen, that we ought to eagerly desire the gifts. Right. Right. Well, so yes. So I, I try to be very careful. Like in Acts, like in Acts two, it's clear. Well, so I'm not saying that's the only way that tongues can work. No, no, no. Right. Yeah. Well, but and there's ways of translating that. We, we can we mm-hmm. can we can get down that road. But ultimately, here's what I'm saying: is is I any, um, yeah. What is tongues? Right. That's part of what what we're hinting at right now. What is that? What and and is that an indicator that you actually have the Holy Spirit? So and, and the answer is is no. Uh, that is not the only indicator that you have the Holy Spirit, right? There are three times in the book of Acts uh, where the coming of the Holy Spirit is marked by uh, speaking in tongues. Right. But there are more than just three baptisms. Mm-hmm. There's multiple baptisms of people all throughout the book, all throughout the book receiving right. faith. And, and they, it wasn't marked by this big event, right? So the mm-hmm. big event of the speaking in tongues, Pentecost, Acts 10, when Cornelius receives uh, the Holy Spirit, and um, that's, he's the first Gentile, and so God does it in a very visible way Yes, uh, so that <laughs> Peter uh, yeah. and um, the Jews with him could see clearly. You, you, could, you could even say that in Acts 10, it was a sign to the church. To the church. Yeah, Acts 2 is very kind of clearly. a sign to the the devout Jews yes. who had gathered in Jerusalem. Yes. That, that Gentiles are now included and, and, into the new covenant, right? And it led to, what was it, 3,000 that be, that joined the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, then, in Acts 2? In yes. Acts 2. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in Acts 3, the big impact of that was that existing believers in the church, which was all Jewish at that point, um, had to recognize and acknowledge that God has made a way for the Gentiles to receive in, the Spirit. In, in Acts 10, you're saying? Acts Sorry. 10, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're now part of the church yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a big... The, the, the next time is what I've been stuck on at, mm-hmm. at our church lately because we're doing a big study of Acts. Right. And we get to Acts 19. And that is the third time that we've mm-hmm. seen a baptism. And there's something unique happening there um, where Paul comes into Ephesus and he finds professing believers of Jesus Christ. And, but there's, and we're not given a lot of context other than he observes something in them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's their theology of what they're saying. Maybe it's their actions. There's something in them um, and that um, indicates they don't have the Holy Spirit. So he asked the question in Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Which is a pretty problematic question because then mm-hmm. it could raise up the question, do people not are there something that you got to do to actually get the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so this leads to some of this teaching that you have to have a second baptism, right? right. Um, this is where some of those that, that strand of teaching comes in because what happens is, Paul, they then respond, we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul's like, well, then what baptism did you get? And they mm-hmm. say, we got John's baptism. Well, these are disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, and Paul says this, he taught is a baptism of repentance, right? Mm-hmm. But Paul, his whole point was to point to Jesus. John's whole point was to point to Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. what is coming. And so these disciples had not, I don't think, even heard of the death and resurrection and the Holy Spirit. So they didn't have that whole, I think they had heard that there's a holy so, God, there's so judgment, they had not a heard Messiah of the is death coming. and resurrection of Jesus. Of Jesus Christ. Or the Holy, holy Spirit, Spirit. Or the coming of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I, it doesn't say that about the death and resurrection, but I'm... Yeah. It seems to indicate that they, they got up to the point mm-hmm. of... 
of repentant, repenting. There's judgment coming, but they don't have the good news because they were not baptized right. into Jesus' name. I mean, isn't that what Paul says to them? John preached yeah, yeah, a baptism yeah. of repentance, repentance with the forgiveness of sins. Right. But he was pointing to Jesus. Yes. It was all about Jesus. So I, they, mm-hmm. they knew, while they, it says that they were believers. So I think, I think what was happening was that, that because John had said, you know, he pointed to Jesus. There's this, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. So it seems like from that point on, maybe it was after John's, um, his own execution that his disciples all fled. And maybe, yeah. I, we don't, we're, we got some, but whatever happens in, in Ephesus here, these guys don't have the full story. Paul explains Jesus to them. They're baptized into the name of Jesus. He puts his hands on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then for the third time to mark this event, they begin speaking in tongues and, mm-hmm. and prophesying. And it's a, it's a big event to mark this. Mm-hmm. People read into that mistakenly to say, well, then there's a second baptism that has to happen. Right. You do the baptism of repentance, and then you need some yeah. secondary baptism to happen so, for the Holy Spirit to come on you, and that will be marked by I, a, some big event. Like so that. I suspect that people um, want that kind of experience for sure. a couple of reasons. Uh, one, which I think is very um, appropriate, People want to have confidence that their faith is genuine, that God really has forgiven them, that God has sent his spirit to live within them. So there's, there's a desire to know that I'm right with God, I have the spirit. And then I think all of us, we, you know, we like the sensational. <laughs> like most of us, you know, we like yeah. to, to see something out of the ordinary happen and to be part of it. Um, but let's talk about that first one because you've been teaching the last several weeks and you, you provided a couple of ways that you can know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you have received the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't based on speaking in uh, a different language. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't having that kind of um, immediate sign that we see in the book of Acts. So I'm putting you on the spot because this was several weeks ago. Yeah. But but one of them, and these are my notes, so you can also correct me if I if I <laughs> took notes incorrectly. But one of the evidences that you do have the Holy Spirit is an appetite for the things of God, a hunger for God's word, a desire to yeah. learn and follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Because the nature of man, of me and you, every listener, our nature is is unholy it is not towards mm-hmm. the character of god mm-hmm. right that is not our natural bent and the chief function of the holy spirit in our lives is not to give us miracles and tongues on it mm-hmm. it's to make us like christ to mm-hmm. to form us into the image of god yeah right into the the image of jesus within us that we would and that's coming from jesus's own teachings right like the holy spirit will come Mm-hmm. And he will convict the world of sin right. and uh, of judgment, he says, and, and those things. So if you now um, have conviction around the things that the Bible calls sin, mm-hmm. right, that, that is not of you. That is not of me. Like I, I naturally would be more inclined to go away f- from those things. Right. Right. But now I have this, this, this presence within me, something within mm-hmm. me. And it might sound like my own voice in my head because that's the only voice I know in my head. Yeah. 
But, but I would argue, listen to the topic of conversation in that voice. Mm-hmm. My will would be away from the stuff of God, mm-hmm. right? Away from the character of Jesus, right. away from sacrifice, away right. from serving others, away mm-hmm. from uh, continual patience, away from forgiving, forgiving others 77 times, seven times, you know, mm-hmm. pick any of the teachings that my, my, nearly all of them fly in the face of mm-hmm. my natural inclination. Yeah. But all of a sudden, all those things to a believer become what we not only long for, right? Mm-hmm. But what we can't get away from what we know we're supposed to be doing. Like, right. What is that? So now right. I have this other voice that is calling me to that. And the, the non-believer might say, hey, that's just your conscience, mm-hmm. right? I, C.S. Lewis, I like his way of talking about it. He said, the conscience is just the megaphone mm-hmm. of, of your own morality, right? Mm-hmm. What changes is all of a sudden you have Christ's morality within you. And so he uses the megaphone of your conscience, mm-hmm. right? So you have another person on the mic, essentially, right? And so listen yeah. to the topic of it. And he's going to give you a hunger for the word of God. He's going to give you a conviction around sin. Right. Um, I will take you, I, this is interesting. This might take us a different route. This very issue came up during the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? Like, so uh, George Whitfield's very charismatic preacher. Right? Yes. Uh, and, um, and the Great Awakening, this is back, the Great Awakening is, is essentially just before the Revolution. Right, right. 1700s. Right, yeah, right, right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and indications were that church attendance, we think, you know, America's this Christian nation, church attendance before the Great Awakening was in the low teens, percentage-wise, in the colonies, right? Mm. And so there was this big movement of God that happens that we call the Great Awakening. It's one of a huge revival. There, there's been two Great Awakenings in the history of America, and some might argue some other revivals. But during the Great Awakening, George Whitfield preaches and and folks hit the floor like they're they're they would call it slain in the spirit or something and that's where we get the term holy rollers holy rollers right because they'd roll around on the ground right and so they would they would do this and and uh it seemed to be a very like look at these people lose their dignity for god they must really love jesus right one of the other big preachers during that whole scene was jonathan edwards and he's he's a a presbyterian uh theologian preacher who would read not a charismatic preacher so he would read what he wrote right i don't know if you ever okay. in school you used to have to read uh sinners in the hands of an angry god that's one of his mm-hmm. famous sermons I've right heard of uh, it. I, right. I haven't read god. that one but not like this big charismatic deliverance not mm-hmm. a show right mm-hmm. um he would read hmm. and people were falling on the floor even in in the mm-hmm. story of when when a revival took place in his church is really interesting if you want to go back and follow the history of all of it and it began to spread and whatnot. I bring all that up to say that someone in that, because he, uh, um, Edwards was, was in academia, like crazy, high up Princeton. And so um, this seemed unbecoming of him. And so he was asked about these holy, holy rollers, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you don't normally see that in Presbyterian style, you know, churches, right? And so um, what, what is that? Um, and, and I might be incorrect that he's Presbyterian, but his theology is, is and he, I'm trying to think what denial, he might have been a congregationalist. Anyway, um, he was asked about that. And he said the greatest evidence that somebody has received the Holy Spirit is not the um, 
experience of the moment, mm-hmm. but it will be the fruit of their life afterwards. Right. After that moment. Right. Right. Like, so if you, and he, he lifts out five things, which are essentially like a hatred for sin, mm-hmm. a love for scripture, a hunger for the righteousness of God, mm-hmm. right. like your character, the, the, um, the, the fruits of love and joy begin mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. be evident in your life as you, you know, the, the presence of, of, of Jesus begins to come to the surface of who you are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, that, that shapes my thinking a lot of yeah. going, I may never speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. That's up to God. Right. I may never prophesy as the charismatic folk might define that. I may never do a miracle of healing. Mm-hmm. Right? And yet, having said all that, I am convinced beyond the shadow of the doubt that I have the Holy Spirit of God living mm-hmm. within me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think what you shared... The, the two things that stood out to me, and these are just, this is what helps me hang on to it. So one is appetite. The idea of a new appetite that wasn't there before. And like you said, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. So a desire to grow yeah. as a follower of Jesus, to learn more about him, to become more like him. Like that is a result of God's spirit. That's a miracle. Me. That's a miracle. Uh, and it doesn't mean that that's the only hunger I have. I still have you know, what the Bible calls the flesh. I have, I have things that actually work against that desires that work against that. But the fact that I have within me this appetite, this godly appetite. And so that's, that's one thing that I would encourage our listeners to think about in terms of how, how can you know, okay, if there's no desire to grow, to learn, to become more like Jesus, that's a huge red flag. (laughs) Like if you could take it or leave it, if you could take or leave Jesus, um, that's a big red flag that you don't have the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Um, and then the second thing that you described it as, um, so that would be sort of a, a positive indicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you kind of gave a negative indicator, which was you, you compared it to pain receptors. Like, you know, when, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. when you touch something hot, <coughs> if everything, if the body's working, you cannot help but feel pain and react, <laughs> respond yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the same way, when you and I sin, when we live contrary to God's will and his character, the Holy Spirit, yeah. is, he is the pain, he enables us. In fact, he, he forces us to feel that pain, yes. to feel that, that sorrow, um, so that we'll live differently. So that we can learn to live differently, and we and like you, you, you compared it to leprosy. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sharing your message back, yeah. <laughs> back with you. But that's another indicator: is that when it, it, you cannot just sin and continue to go against um, the will of God without feeling that pain because and, of the Spirit's and, presence in your bro, life. Bro, I I did that. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, and I'm I'm assuming several of your listeners might know that experience like mm-hmm. my part of my story is a brief part of my latter teens i had, i knew christ i had already had profound experiences with god and i do want to back up to say um i have had profound experiences with the holy spirit they have not been speaking in tongues they have not been but i have had major moments in my life and they started young and and i would i would say um my first vision that i am certain came from Christ through the Holy Spirit in a time of worship uh, was when I was about 13 years old. And to this day, 
if I think about what God put on my heart, it totally, I would, I will start weeping. Like it just, Mm. it was healing to a child's heart who, whose parents had just gotten divorced and my whole world had just turned upside down and, and God, um, just was gracious to me through that. I bring that up to say, I, so I knew, I, I know that I had the Holy Spirit at that point. And yet I went through a rebellious, rebellious Mm -hmm. period. Um, uh, (laughs) uh, Was pretty good at hiding that from like the church folk, you know, I thought Mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Later, a youth pastor called me out on that, which I appreciated. But uh, yeah, up until like the beginning of college and uh, God's pursuit of me and my I was, it, it, it's amazing the level of conviction I would feel around. And then I would ignore that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, I can go into some detail that I don't know if I, if you want me to, but there were, it's, it's interesting that where sin would take us. I remember having nights where I would just weep because of some stupid decisions I made. And yet the next night I'm like right back in mm-hmm. it. And yet mm-hmm. God's grace was so good. You know, scripture says where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Mm-hmm. And part of that grace is the grace to come after us and keep on. So he let me experience pain and brokenness and pain and brokenness. And that actually ended that period of, of extreme rebellion ended. Uh, when I was like a 17 year old yeah. uh, again in a church environment. And again, with another pretty profound vision from God uh, in an environment and just brought me to my knees, just convicted me like mm-hmm. crazy. And, uh, and, and so many things changed for myself after that. Mm-hmm. But I look back and that's where I go. I know the things that changed in my heart and in my life because I know my natural self. It wasn't that I was perfect. As you said, I still have the flesh within me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, the spirit was there convicting so much. I'm finally shifting over. And like C.S. Lewis says, and I gave in and admitted that God was God. Right. And so mm-hmm. there was a sense of, okay, God, mm-hmm. like you won't. This is what it looks like to leave the 99 to come after the one that's lost, right? Like, like I was running away and he pursued me. Hmm. And then what changed my life after that, um, not just in character or whatnot, but just <laughs> God, God's kindness is so awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And so, hmm. um, yeah, so um, I, I like to say that I know me. And uh, because of that, it makes that easier to know the Holy Spirit inside of me. Yeah, the things in you that are not me. natural, <laughs> yeah. that are supernatural yeah. because... Yes, by the grace of God. Well, we're going to probably park it there just to kind of keep things... Uh, we try to keep our conversations to 45 we got minutes. we so much more to I go, know. man. Well, we, we bit off a huge topic, and maybe we'll get some comments and some questions that we maybe didn't get around to. We'll definitely have you back on. I don't even know if sure. we took that where you wanted that to go. I mean, I think that's the beauty of a podcast. And that's, like I said, like sometimes on Sunday mornings, I just want to like pause and let's, let's talk about it. Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause I think that back and forth, um, oftentimes it does take you in directions. Maybe you didn't expect, sure. but God is using that. And we prayed before this, that the Lord would guide the conversation. So I'm going to trust that, that he answered that prayer. We are going to have a bonus, uh, 10 minute rapid fire we had some listeners who gave us some questions that they have on the Holy Spirit. Um, this is maybe not a great idea. We haven't done this before, but we're going to do a speed round. And I haven't try. seen any of these, so I don't know. Yeah, th- these would be completely like he, he's, he doesn't know what's coming. Well, 
Yeah. And when you invite a preacher to come do rapid fire, like, good luck with that. Like, well, that's get why we, two questions. So we got, <laughs> we're going to try to do it in 10 minutes. So we'll see. we'll see. We'll even set a timer. But Shelton, I really appreciate you coming with us, uh, coming to be on the show with us today. And uh, we'll definitely do it again soon. Please. Love it. Thank you. Thank you.